when you don't see yourself represented in the top management teams, how are you supposed to feel? It's like, yeah, that's not me because I don't see myself there. I'm not reflected there, right? And that for me is a lesson that for, especially for us women of color who are now in leadership positions to try and make sure that we do get the younger ones to say, hey, you have a place here too. Yeah. It's quite interesting because we're in this season of needing to pivot. I mean, 2020 has taught us that you do need to be able to pivot. What has been helpful for you? Yes, I think getting over the fear. What will happen? I'm leaving something where I feel the stability and I'm going on to something new. I'm not getting younger. Is it going to work? And it's that first step in saying, I'm willing to take that risk. Once you get over that, then yes. I think that's the biggest obstacle. Yeah, just unlearning fear. Yes. Welcome to Women's Work, Leadership Conversations for Women. If you're a woman in leadership, then this one's for you. Our guest today is Dr. Abiola Seneki. She's a lecturer of organizational behavior at the EBS Business School in Germany. She completed her PhD there in 2017. Abiola also studied electrical engineering at the University of Lagos in Nigeria, and she completed her master's in King's College in London. She also has an MBA from Imperial College in London, and after completing her studies, she worked for over 10 years as a management consultant in Nigeria and Germany. Abiola grew up in Nigeria and has lived in Germany for over 20 years. She's married with two children and one of the things she really likes to do is Zumba. Welcome to Women at Work. In this episode, we're talking with Dr. Abiola Seneki and I'm so pleased to have her join here and share her story and share a little bit about women in leadership and also women of color in leadership. So I'm really happy to have you here. Welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me, Rachel. I'm honored to be here. I thought I'd start with your leadership journey. So what has brought you to this point so far? And mm -hmm. maybe share a few highlights for us. Mm -hmm. Well, how shall I begin? I started off the very traditional way. I studied engineering. I did my master's in engineering. Why did I do engineering? I liked mathematics. That was basically it. My father is an engineer, so I thought, okay, lack of imagination, just keep going that way. And um, ended up then doing my first pivot when I was after my master's and ended up going into business. And so um, I ended up in consulting, management consulting, worked there for a couple of years. And then I realized that actually, what is it that you actually want to do, Abiola? What is it that means something to you? I did enjoy my time in consulting and I got to manage a position, but I wanted to do something where I would call, where I would increase the meaningfulness of my work to myself, just myself. And I've always wanted to teach. I've always wanted to um, mentor. 
And so I decided that the best way to do that would be to go into academia. Uh, 2012, I decided to start my journey in, as an academic. Finished my PhD in 2017, and I haven't looked back since. I totally enjoy the role that I have as instructor, as mentor, as leader to these young, promising people that I wouldn't change it for anything anymore. I think I did make that right decision. So after two pivots, I ended up here. It's quite interesting because you studied engineering, but now mm -hmm. you, you work in organizational behavior. Yes. And teaching and lecturing <laughs> in it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that's really complete turnarounds. It's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite interesting because we're in this season of needing to pivot. I mean, 2020 has taught us that you do need to be able to pivot. What has been helpful for you to, to pivot from what you've initially studied to going into teaching? Because you, you knew you wanted to mentor and teach. Yes. I think getting over the fear. What will happen? I'm leaving something where I feel stable, the stability, and I'm going on to something new. I'm not getting younger. Is it going to work? And it's that first step in saying, I'm willing to take that risk. Once you get over that, then yes. I think that's the biggest obstacle. Yeah. Just unlearning fear. Yes. Who would you say have been your biggest teachers on how to know yourself better and also to lead well? It's interesting, but it's my parents. Yeah. Yes, that's very interesting, but that is true. They are both, my dad's not here with us anymore, but they're both leaders in their own right. Both are professors and they've done things. I just watch the way they mentor people. People look up to them, not just us. And I'm not just saying this, but I see it when people come and ask my mom for advice. She's a medical doctor. And uh, the way she carries herself, the way she advises people, I learned a lot from her. I also learned that from the two of them, each of them has a vision. My dad's was, we need to eradicate polio in Nigeria. And he did what he could to help in that vision. Wow. My mom's is, we need to do something about HIV AIDS, in Nigeria and sickle cell and she did her own part in getting that it's not gone by no means and they didn't do it themselves but they at least contributed to that and I was watching that growing up as a child the obstacles my mom had to face mm. to become a female professor she's over 80 now so imagine at the time yeah the obstacles she would have had to face and my dad supporting her every single step of the way taught me a lot about how relationships can be and how women can actually get to really be successful leaders, even with all those obstacles. Yeah. And it's so important to have a vision, I think, because mm -hmm. a lot of times people think, being a leader is having a checklist of all the things yes. you should say and do. 
Yeah. And it's really that vision that pulls you forward and yes. also adds meaning to what you're doing. Yes. I mean, in, in when I teach leadership in school, actually, there's that definition. Leadership basically is looking at the big picture. Yeah. Management is putting that picture into practice, right? So yeah. management deals with complexity. So putting, organizing, doing the checklists, ticking everything, making sure the processes work. But the leader is the one with the vision, the big picture. That's where we're going. And yeah. how am I going to take you with me? Mm. And we need both. You can't have one without the other. Yeah. So what would you say are some of the key leadership lessons that you have learned through your journey? Several. The first one, we've already said, you need to have a vision. And that vision is not just for you, but also for the people that you want to take along with you. Yeah. So leadership is not selfish. You are trying to get to a shared vision with other people. If it's just for your own benefit, then it's not leadership as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Okay. The second is um, authenticity for me, that you remain true to yourself and your values. You might come under pressure, but remain true. It's not always easy, but just be who you are and don't try to pretend to be somebody else just because other people think that kind of person is more successful because people can always tell if you're pretending, right? Yeah. Another one I have is um, empathy. Empathy, to be able to put yourself in somebody else's position and to say, this is what this person must be going through, or this is what this person must be feeling right now. And being able to deal with those feelings and to, to recognize them and also to be able to deal with them, whether by talking about them or not, but understanding where other people are coming from. If you do that, then chances are you'll be a fairer person because fairness is extremely important in a leader, at least to try to be fair. And the other thing I think that is important for a leader is that role of mentor, that role of mentor or coach. I know we hear this a lot in transformational leadership or in um, when they talk about emotional intelligence, and there's a lot of truth in those because I see a leader as also helping, you know, coaching people, helping them to develop so that they can stand on their own two feet when you move aside, right? Yeah. And those are the things that are very important. I think that a leader also has to have passion for the vision that he or she has, right? Mm. Because without that passion, how will you get other people to come with you? Yeah. So it's, it's the vision and the passion that drives yeah. people forward. And, yes. and I, I also think empathy helps you to connect with the people yes. that are within your team or the people yes. you're leading. Yes. Yeah. And I think that a leader must never forget that. I don't really like the word follower, but I can't think of anything better. Yeah. Um, they choose their subordination. They choose to follow you. Yeah. They don't have to. Exactly. They don't have to. And so you have to, if you recognize that, then you realize that you need to more try to convince rather than force, right? Mm -hmm. So convince rather than enforce. So you, um, some people forget that. 
that the people don't follow you because they have to at work if it's um if you are their senior okay maybe but only to a certain extent yeah you're going to have to recognize that the it's their choice yeah i always say this when i'm coaching that if you don't have people following you you're not a leader no you're not you're just you're going not. on your own hoping <laughs> you can't lead yourself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know there's no leader without followers it's just the way it is yeah, yeah. So what would you say was a, your biggest lesson being a woman of color in leadership? I thought about that for a while. <laughs> because there are two things there, this intersectionality, and sometimes it's difficult to figure out what the challenges are because I'm a woman as opposed to being a black woman. Yeah. When I was working in Nigeria, I never really thought about the black aspect. I always just thought about the gender aspect. Why, of course. And now that I've, I have lived in Germany for a while, I think of both. And one challenge is being taken seriously. Yeah. Mm, um, and in order for you to be taken seriously, you have to almost be more assertive than you would normally be right like listen to me this is what i'm saying and insist if anybody tries to ignore you insist hey and demand that respect because if you don't demand it chances are they won't give it to you so yeah. you, you sometimes have to demand it and maybe end up being more forceful than you normally would be but then sometimes it's necessary and then you and then you know you can lean back a bit but sometimes you really have to just mm, say, okay, hey, listen to me, I'm here. Take yeah. me seriously, right? And, um, you know, sometimes being a black woman, you're seen as the exotic one. You're the only one there. People are nice to you, but sometimes you get the feeling that there's some condescension going on. And so you have to try to make sure that, look, I'm just as capable as everybody else. So, hey, yeah. no need, right? Um, at the same time, something else that I have learned um, is that not everything is about race or gender. Yeah. And I have to be very careful to, to try and interpret, because I sometimes, and I think that that's normal for many women and for many black women, that you expect something, like a self-fulfilling prophecy sometimes, you expect something, somebody says something, and you take offense, but it might be that the person needs to learn a lesson rather than the person is trying to insult you. Sometimes yeah. some people are being insensitive, trying to decipher, is it insensitivity because of ignorance or is it microaggression? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's difficult to see which one of it it is, but I've been very fortunate. I've been very fortunate to work in international organizations where I am not the only woman of color. Yeah. Um, but there are too few of us. There are too few of us and it is unfortunate, right? Mm. Um, when you don't see yourself represented in the top management teams, how are you supposed to feel that it's like, okay, that doesn't, that doesn't, yeah, that's not me because I don't see myself there. I'm not reflected there, right? And that, 
for me is a lesson that for especially for us women of color who are now in leadership positions to try and make sure that we do get the younger ones to say hey mm. you have a place here too yeah yeah um another lesson so apart from being assertive another lesson i've learned is that um in <laughs> I don't know whether this is a gender thing, but I think it's more, it's both. This thing of authenticity, you know that research actually indicates that women who behave in a non-role congruent way, so in a way that does not match the role of what people think women should be, hmm. they are not seen as authentic. So some people might see a female leader who is tough, who, who, who has a loudish voice, who is very in your, you know? Yeah. Mm. And they think, oh, she's trying to be, to, be, to be a man. She's trying to be male, right? Um, and that is a big challenge for many women in that you say, oh, she's not sweet enough. Oh, she's not kind enough. Oh, she's not this enough, right? Yeah. With the politics of uh, the yes. U.S., I've seen a video where they compare what male politicians are doing and Kamala Harris, for example, and exactly. actually she did nothing that was exactly. out of line. Exactly. But she could have smiled she, more. She could have smiled more. She's a monster, yeah. right? Because she's tough. She's, she's strong. Mm. She, she knows what she wants. And for some reason, there are people who feel that women like that are not authentic. Yeah. The research does show it actually yeah and that's something that we're going to have to fight and deal with yeah as women yeah. and i think you know i've been talking about this this concept of representation and i i see it everywhere as well is everyone saying representation we need to have greater representation yes. Yes. because to summarize some of the things i'm hearing you say it's quite a a, a tightrope walk it's a balance to say how much of it is because I'm female? How much mm -hmm. of it is because I'm a person of color? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you probably had this the same as me. I've had how much of it is because I come from Africa? Because I've also uh -huh. had comments about that too. Yeah, that too. And, yes. and, then, and then you also have to walk this tightrope to say, okay, how much of it am I going to allow to influence me or affect me? Um, and sometimes it feels like you have to have a shield where these things bounce off you because you're still yeah. saying, this is who I am. This is what I believe. And also to have that vision and passion to keep going despite yeah. these different comments. And through representation, you can see that there's different types of people and different types of leaders. And yeah. then women can have the freedom to be able to be the type of leader that they are, not try to fit into this mold. Exactly. That this mold of expectations as to how they should be. Yeah. Right. And you only get that freedom when you're accepted that, yeah, yeah. you have the right to be here. Mm. You have the right to be like, it's secondary. You're female, you're, you're black. Okay. You have the right to be here because you are good at what you do. Yeah. You know? There are so many, oh gosh, 
there's so many challenges. Uh, number one, the lack of representation. Mm. And that lack of representation makes every single woman who gets up to the leadership level almost in a position of having to prove how good she is. Yeah. Otherwise, it might have an influence on the next woman of color that wants to get another job in that same place. So that burden of responsibility is on you. If I do, don't perform, if I don't do well, then this other black or woman of color, doesn't have to be black, comes mm. after me. And they say, oh, because of Abiola and my experience, I'm not going to take her. And those are the things that are almost an extra burden for us that mm. others don't think of. Mm. I also find I'm always trying to convince people of my capabilities. So yeah. I have the responsibility to show it even more, but I'm always in every single situation, I'm spending time convincing them that I'm actually capable. Yes. But I'm trying to convince and be authentic at the same time. Yes. And I think that it's, um, you know, is it a female thing as well that our voices are just not as loud sometimes and then they tend to talk over you at least men do yeah and then you have to be able to say like kamala did yeah i'm speaking <laughs> <laughs> i'm speaking yeah <laughs> you know This podcast is brought to you by dynamicatwork.com. Head over to our website for more information and resources. Dynamic at Work. We connect and grow leaders. What advice would you give your younger self? Advice to my younger self. Don't put yourself under too much pressure. Everybody expects people to get an A. A star. If you get a B, it's okay. But you have to put in the work. Yeah. Make sure that you put in the work. Somebody said to me when I was really young and I was just starting out, it was a guy actually in Nigeria. He was the senior manager on a project I was working on. And he said to me, Abiola, you know, the only difference between you and me is not that I'm cleverer than you. It's just that I've been here longer and I put in the work. If you put in the work, there's nothing stopping you from getting to where I am. So you, I would advise my younger self, you are not dumb, you're not stupid, you're not less clever. You can get where you wanna go, just put in the work. You will find your path. Yeah. I remember thinking, gosh, if I, don't, if I don't crack this exam, it means that I'm a failure. No, you're not. Maybe it's just not for you. Maybe you'll find that you will find your own way as long as you make sure that you work hard. The second one is um, related to that and it's follow your path. Do what you like, not what people expect you to do. I enjoyed studying engineering, I must say, I did. But when I think back, why did I study engineering? I did it because more or less I was always expected of me, right? Mm -hmm. 
looking back, maybe I would have studied psychology. I don't know, right? Yeah. Um, and so I always tell younger people as well, what do you like doing? Because if you do what you like, you won't find it so difficult to work hard. And you will very likely do well. Yeah, that's good. And another one is just to be true to yourself. If you don't like yourself, how do you expect other people to like you? Uh, we're always so hard on ourselves, especially us women. Yeah. And, and with all our flaws, you're okay. Yeah. I think that's a hard one because social media is always comparing more women than images. men and yeah. magazines. Oh, that is, I find that so awful. Yeah. You see all the young girls, they, they're all these, um, they have to measure up to a certain way that they're supposed to look. Yeah. But what they always forget is that nobody's going to put a horrible picture on social media that doesn't even look like them anymore. And they're going to put a picture up of when they're down. Yeah. No, they will always put a picture up of when they're happy. Mm. But it doesn't mean that they are always happy. Yeah. You know, we always, we always forget and think that that's their life. No, it isn't. It's a snapshot exactly. <laughs> of certain moments, you know, we're yeah. always so hard on ourselves. We're always too fat, too thin, too short, too tall. Oh, my cheekbones are this. My eyes are too small. This yeah. is this. My ears are locked. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about mentorship. Have you been mentored? And how did you find that experience? I have been mentored. Um, interestingly enough, by friends. <laughs> Some older than me, some about my age, two different things. Mm. Um, one of my closest friends, I always tell her that you, you're my mentor, you know that? And we're about the same age. <laughs> <laughs> but she knows me so well. And um, if I have something that I'm thinking of in terms of my career, I can very easily talk to her. I'm very lucky. And yeah. she always has this, she has this way of getting right down to, to the nitty gritty and saying, okay, this is what it is that you're bothering you and so on and so forth. In terms of somebody bringing me along as a, somebody who's a mentor in my organization, I had, um, I haven't, interestingly enough, the closest I've had to a mentor, yeah, in my early days in consulting in Nigeria, I would say that I did have a mentor, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that was this senior manager that I mentioned. Yeah. In terms of, yeah, he wasn't officially my mentor, but I think he just took it upon himself to be. Yeah. I will never forget that conversation. Mm. It's like, we always look up to all these people and say, oh God, I can never do that. And he says, don't say that. Of course you can. That person is not cleverer than you. We are our own enemy when we think that yes. way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And of course, opportunities are different. You know, there are people who are at the right place at the right time, or they were, I don't know, they went to a specific school that maybe is an Ivy League that you didn't go to. So, okay. But those are things that you can't control. What you can control is what you do and how you think of yourself. 
Yeah. Those people are not cleverer than you. They just had the different opportunities than you had. Mm. That's, that, that's the difference. You know? Yeah, it actually makes me think of another question just out of the top of my head as we're talking because one of the things I've noticed, especially moving to, to Europe, is that women are not very good with networking. And I've yes. noticed that men, it's kind of like they've grown up learning yes. to network and we yes. seem to be geared towards relationships. Yes. What would you suggest for women to do, especially I want to go into black talent within organizations, what would you suggest that they look at to expand their network? You know, <laughs> I will start with an example. Yeah. Absolutely amazed how in Europe, I, let, me not, let, me not, let me not generalize. I would say in Germany that I know pretty well, it might not be the same in other countries, they're beginning to do so. So they have networking, they're networking events that are organized by women, for women, with advice as to, um, there are loads of these things now, advice as to, um, there will be people there who, okay, you can meet, they can have somebody who could be your mentor, somebody who could help you out, or you just get to know people. They're having more and more of those events here in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that women here are beginning to realize how important networking is and they have started make, taking steps to improve the networks for women. Somewhere else where it is extremely strong and they recognize this even earlier was in Nigeria. Right. And you have things like WIMBIS, which is women in business. It's been around for over 10 years, I think, trying to encourage women also entrepreneurs just basically helping each other out yeah then you also have um we call it it's called the gaia women's club and it's for women leaders in nigeria and they come together to network and to learn from each other hmm. and um and i'm amazed how much more advanced that is over there yeah than it is here it's it's quite interesting I think apart from the typical, oh, let's meet up for dinner somewhere, people present something and then we chat. I haven't seen a lot in terms of, oh, let's do, let's just go somewhere. Let's just do something. Um, yeah. We could do more of that. Yeah. And, and, and women network differently from, from men. So it's yeah. the more I see you, the more I build a relationship, the more I start liking yes. you rather yes. than being in a big group of people and handing out cards. And it could be that men are also more transactional than us, than yeah. women. You even said it very well. You said we tend to base it, our networks on relationships in terms of whether I like you yeah. or not really. And I think that men are more transactional. That they're like, I don't necessarily feel that you could be my best friend, but... I will call you if I need something. Yeah. Whereas a woman would never do that. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's important to learn how we network differently and have those yes. networking events. So I want to, yes. I want to talk about black talent mm -hmm. specifically around companies that recently I've come across that say they can't find enough black talent. One of the examples I came across recently was Wells Fargo, which is based in the U.S. And they said they couldn't find black talent. 
and actually a lot of their black talent actually moved out and left the organization so it became quite a newsworthy subject what are your thoughts on this i have several actually the first one is when we look at organizations saying they're trying to find black talent if you're trying to find black talent then you're going to have to make sure you speak to them if you I find it amazing how many job adverts you see and the only faces you see there are white. Mm -hmm. Why should a black person think that you're interested? Yeah. Right? Why? If, if you, um, if you hire a black person, you make sure that you don't tolerate any form of discrimination, that person will talk to others mm -hmm. who will then apply. If you have no black leaders in your organization, how do you think any black person is going to come and apply? And a lot of these things apply also to the gender. Yeah, it's all, yeah. It's all different sides of the same coin. The same with LGBT, the same with dis disabilities. If you don't have people where they can see themselves in your organization, why should they want to come? That, so that's the one thing. And then the other side of the, the other one is in terms of people not being able to get jobs. I find that at least over here, this very conservative way, the person, if somebody didn't go through your school system, then you don't want to even find out what it means in the other school system. Because I went to university in Nigeria does not mean I'm not qualified, mm -hmm. right? Um, and rather than being open and saying, no, oh, let's talk to you, let's see what you can do. They just say, oh, that person didn't go to any university in Germany or any university I can recognize. So no, no, you know, mm. without even thinking twice. Because I see it a lot that you see, oh, the person went to University of, let me just pick one, University of Nairobi. Hmm. Got a first class in engineering and is applying for a job in the Netherlands, in Germany, wherever. Because that person did not go to a university that they know, that they recognize, they don't place as much value on that first class degree. Hmm. And chances are that person will not get an interview. There's been research to show that people tend to hire people like them. Yes. So it comes back to the company culture. It also comes back to the process. So are you hiring people with insight into the type of differences that they have and having someone, for example, like you being part of the interview process or someone like me being part of the interview process, because then it's not completely skewed to say, well, you're not like me. I think that that is also, that is so important. You know, again, that mirror, do I see myself there? If you're recruiting team, mm. so the recruiting and selection are two different things, right? So recruiting is more the marketing part of it. How yeah. do I attract people that they would even want to apply in the first place? Mm. They won't apply if they don't see somebody similar to me. Exactly. Let's assume that I'm somebody who has top qualifications. I could pick wherever I want to go. If I don't see myself in your organization, I won't apply. Mm. So how are they supposed to get the best people? 
yeah. right? And I'm talking black color, people of color, just the diversity. Yeah. Why would I apply to you if I don't see myself in your organization? So that's the one thing. Then there's the selection procedures. And selection is then all the things to do with interviews, to do like filtering out. And unfortunately, people of color tend to get filtered out much more. There's lots of research in mm. Germany that shows it. If you just go to the anti-discrimination website of the German government, where they have lots of scientific papers on what goes on and all these experiments, mm. you will see that people of color tend to fare much worse with the same qualifications yeah. as white. And even within the people of color, there's a, there's a, there's, there's, there's a, there's, there's a ranking. <laughs> yeah. and black African men have the worst of everything. Yeah. Right? Black African men or, or Middle Eastern looking women, they have the worst of it, right? They are usually not taken. Mm. And so it is important for organizations to have, just like you said, diversity in the selection team. Okay, so diversity in the way your organization, the image of your organization and diversity in the team that selects people. Yeah. Because if you don't have that diversity there, you might just have somebody, oh, I know the University of Nairobi, of course, they have a good reputation. Let's try them. And if you don't have that and you're completely, we call it group think, right? You're all mm. together thinking the same way and you're not willing to break out of the box. And I think that that is a lot of the problem here. We're talking about women, in, women and women of color in, in leadership. What can they do to support a different process or support a process that encourages more, more women? Besides, of course, the advertisements, the recruitment, what else can they do personally? To encourage women of color. Yeah. So there are two things, to encourage them to apply or to encourage them when they're already there. It's both of those. <laughs> it's both, right? Yeah. So when women of color are already there and they're in your organization, there's nothing worse than just ignoring that the person is a woman of color. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, if you have a question in terms of... Um, you know, when that book of it's not enough to be non-racist, you have to be anti. Yeah. So you encourage your organization for people to speak up if they notice anything and to put up those sensors. If you notice any, and I'm not just talking about women of color now, I'm talking about in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. Culture of no tolerance when it comes to bullying, when it comes to discrimination, when it comes to making very, very sexist racist remarks no tolerance doesn't matter who you are yeah yeah that's one thing the other thing is um your policies and your process rather your policies in terms of promotions make sure that they're fair yeah regardless of whether it's a person of color or a man or a woman or somebody who is um, gay or not, or somebody, it, it doesn't matter. Just make sure that your processes are fair because these things are not independent. Mm. How do you make sure that it's fair? Because at the moment, it seems it's fair. If it's not a diverse workforce, it might seem that it's fair. I agree. I mean, first of all, you have to, that's why I was saying if they're already in your organization, you have to have enough. Mm. You have to have 
representative people there you have to have at least one woman of color in there yeah to be able to to be able to show those things and hopefully that person will be able to encourage other people to come in and join mm. right you know in germany what they do now because they have this quota system that in job advertisements they actually write it's, it's they actually write it mm. they encourage women to apply if two people have the same qualification, we will probably take the woman. Okay. They actually write it. Yeah. I think it's not allowed in the Netherlands. I read somewhere that it's not allowed. Uh, so there's a policy thing, right? Yeah. Yes. They also say that they encourage disabled people mm -hmm. and that they would also favor somebody who is disabled, right? Yeah. Um, and that's because they have this, at least for women, they have this quota system mm. that they introduced. Now, the question is whether that really is advisable. There are, there are disadvantages and there are advantages, but I don't want to go into that, but yeah, policy is one thing. And in terms of attracting women of color, mm. oh, you, I think that their recruiting team is going to have to actually actively go look yeah they when you go into universities and you have the career fairs i bet you there will be women of color there let's say let me give you a hypothetical situation you there's a career fair and you are a young woman of color looking for a job you have your cv in your hand and you're looking at the different stands, the different organizations, and you see another woman of color at the stand, you will go there. Yeah. Even if it's just curiosity, mm. you will go there and you will ask, so what is your position? So what do you do here? And then the person tells you, I'm a manager in so-so-and-so. Mm. Hey, you will apply. Yeah. And so is it a catch-22? I don't have any women of color in my organization, but I want to attract women of color. But how do I do that if I don't have any women of color in my organization? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. So what can men do to support women and women of color? Say you've gone into the organization and you're working there and maybe you're the only, the first women of color or one of the minorities, of course. What can men do to support women of color? I think that the same thing men can do to support women in general or any other, any other group in general, and that is to always be respectful, mm -hmm. to recognize talent and not to accept intolerance from somebody else mm. towards that person. That's important. That is extremely important. Yeah. And just taking you as you are, just like they would take a white man as he is. Right? Mm. Your qualifications and your... That also means... That also means that if you do something wrong, that they can also tell you. Yeah. There are two sides of the coin when it comes to being treated equally. And being treated equally also means that... Nobody's perfect. Yeah. And I have to be corrected if I do something wrong. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to tell me that 
without being afraid that I will say it's because of my color. You see, there's, there's, there's so many different nuances in here. Yeah. Right? Um, but in, I would so encourage a white man to take a woman of color as an and be her mentor. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a benefit because you have the reverse mentoring too. Because yes. as a white male, you might feel, yes. I don't you, know what's appropriate, yeah. what's not appropriate. Yeah. And you can also be able to yeah. reverse mentor and also to be able to introduce to a whole world that they haven't yes. been part of. Yes, yes. There um, there's a very interesting research paper called Why Diversity... It's very similar to why diversity policies don't work. Yes, something I've like read that. It. Read You've that. read it. Yeah. And there they specifically mention mentoring. And the person being mentored also being a teacher to the person doing the mentoring. Mm -hmm. And that if organizations can do that and just basically get, mix it and get um, leaders who are white men to mentor women of color mm -hmm. this learning effect will happen and with time with time there would be with the added effect of course if that is that that person the mentor will also be able to carry the person up yeah there you, then you see a woman of color who is a leader who then mentors somebody else right and that cycle keeps going on and i think that that is extremely important I want to go on to quick fire questions to know a little bit more about you. What book are you reading right now? I read all the time because of my job. <laughs> so I'm always reading scientific articles. So if I'm going to read something that is not to do with my job, then I tend to try to read something light sometimes. So at the moment I'm reading a book by Robert Galbraith, who actually happens to be the author of Harry Potter. <laughs> it's, it's a pseudonym. But the other book I have just started, any, just any one of them. I think I'm reading her latest one. But the book I've just started is a book by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Oh, a I love author, yeah. And she has this new book out called Zikora, okay. which is only available on Audible or on Kindle. Yeah. So it's not actually published as a, in paper form. She has a great TED talk out, which I absolutely yes. love. The, the power of a single story. The power of a single story. So powerful. She also has another book called We Should All Be Feminists. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She's great. really good. And she actually wrote one of my favorite books, which is Half of a Yellow Sun. Okay. I don't think I've read that one. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of a history lesson in yeah. Nigeria and uh, about Nigeria and the Nigerian Biafra War in the hmm. 60s. And she writes from the um the 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 characters in the book come from different they live in that time during just before the war and during and she just talks about she writes about all the different things that i didn't even know that i went back to my parents and said is this true did mm. this happen it's actually one of my absolute favorite books yeah it's amazing how much we're learning right now during covid that we didn't yes. know before it's just incredible yes. so what's your all-time favorite movie and why 
I have more than one. I was thinking about it. I said, I have more than one. I love the color purple. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. It's a very hard film to watch. Mm. But I think I've watched it three times. It covers everything. But I just thought about why did I like that movie? Or why do I like that movie so much? And I think it's because it's a movie about a woman. A woman's journey. Mm. Somebody, that character, that Whoopi Goldberg character. This woman who had... She suffered everything and she still came out strong. Yeah. She still came out strong and came out an independent person. Mm. That is an amazing story. Yeah. And that was, that's my, my all time favorite movie. And then, of course, I love The Lion King. <laughs> can, you, can you come from Africa and not love the Lion King? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get you there. <laughs> uh, I love your yeah, movies where they, I don't like that they go through a hard time. And more and more, we see it now in leadership development research that actually it's that heat experience. So the, the difficult time that we go through that can actually shape us and create us to be more resilient but also yes. more passionate and have a stronger vision which yes. made me love just the, the 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 story and the journey of going through the hard time redefining yes. it and being able to use it and turn it into gold which i think yes. is amazing yes yeah. and i think that that is one of the lessons that if you go through a hard time finding that way of turning it mm is the difference between letting it take you over or you taking control. Yeah. That, that, that way of turning it to say, what have I learned from this? How has this made me stronger? Mm. How can I move forward? Yeah. You know? And sharing that story and sharing that and wisdom sharing with, other with other women or other yeah. people. Yeah. So who's your go-to person for support and what? My husband. He is amazing. Yeah. I remember when I was doing my PhD. Here I was, two kids, they were pretty young at the time. Mm. I said I wanted to do my PhD. And he's like, are you sure? You know that it's very intense. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I want to do it. He said, okay, no problem. And hours on end, I'll be in my front of my computer. I would disappear into the room to do my work. And he did everything. Thing. And I know he always has my back. And if I, have, if I need advice on something, um, that I'm not sure about, whether it's my career, whether it's something at work that happened, what am I supposed to do? I go to him and he always, always, always helps without necessarily telling me what to do. That's fantastic. What's your never fail routine for self-care? Sport. What kind? Um, I started doing, well, I do Zumba. Absolutely it's love. It's quite fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then I've started with CrossFit, yeah. which is very intense, but I, it, I, it really it is a lot of fun. So yeah. I, do, I do both. And I've decided, I've started, but I'm not there yet, but I've decided I need to learn how to, I need to learn yoga. Oh, I love to yoga. Me, to help me relax. I don't relax enough. Mm. Yeah. Last question. So what is the one dream that you still would like to achieve? Ah, the million dollar question. The million dollar question. <gasps> I've always, always liked to travel. 
and there are some parts of the world that I've never been to and I have no idea about. I think of South America, for example. I have no clue about South America, but even more important for me is how little I know about my own continent, mm -hmm. the continent of Africa. It's huge. It's, it is huge and I know so little about it. How many African countries have I been to? I think I've been to more European countries than to African countries. That cannot be. Mm. <laughs> Seriously, how? You know, I was in, um, I went to visit a friend in Kenya once and um, Nairobi is the place, I guess, because the UN headquarters in Africa is there and everything. So you have people from all over the place. So we had, there was this uh, function and I was sitting down talking to people they were all African hmm. from Congo Brazzaville, from Guinea, from Cameroon, from Mali, from Mozambique. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, all these people, and many of they were all women, actually, when I think about it. And they were all professionals working to different degrees with the UN, some working on very dangerous. There was one woman there who was who just just come back from this from south sudan mm. where she was working i think she was a journalist or something and i thought to myself look at these fascinating people that i'm meeting here from different parts of my continent and i just realized do you really know your continent and so my goal is actually to i don't know when enough is enough but as many get to know as many african countries as i can mm. I've actually met quite a few people from different parts of Africa in Europe, which has also been amazing. Yes, that is true. Yeah. That is true. No, See, I met you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought, right? Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Abiola, thank you so much for joining. It was really just thank nice you, to, to speak to you and to learn yes. more. It's lovely to have you. Thank you for inviting me again. Wow, there were so many topics we spoke about during this conversation that I have to think about which ones were the most important for me. I think the unlearning fear and being able to pivot is so important and really being brave enough to take that step. And representation, I cannot say this enough. If you want to have diversity and inclusion within your business, it's important to have representation. And as a woman of color, you need to be able to see yourself represented in companies and different roles. So to look, where can we find this representation? Where can we find a mentor? Where can you find women that you can connect with and build relationships with to be able to grow? This conversation just made me feel connected and having a conversation and saying, yeah, wow, me too. I've, I've gone through that. I recognize this in myself. It's so powerful being able to find someone and build a relationship with a peer, with someone as a mentor is so important. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Thank you for joining us this week on Women's Work. If you found value in this conversation, share with a friend. Remember to click on the subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next time.